there's certain discussions essentially at this point about like a global minimum tax of roughly 15%, right? And this would apply to things like these offshore setup that I had, uh, you know, discussed, which is really applicable to Americans, but uh, a lot of, you know, digital nomads from other countries, um, you know, they may pay 0% tax. And so, you know, it, it, it will first apply to really very, you know, large multinational businesses like these Googles and Apples of the world. You know, once they sort of implement it on the big boys, you know, I think it will filter down to everybody. Hey, what's up, you guys? My name is Mikko Karshavsky, and welcome to episode 145 of That Remote Life podcast, where we hear from location-independent entrepreneurs and professionals so you can learn to quit the cubicle and live life on your terms. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by Vincenzo Villamina, the founder and CEO of Online Taxman, one of the largest accounting firms specializing in working with digital nomads, expats, and online entrepreneurs. During this episode, we talked about online taxman's origins and what made Vincenzo leave a cushy job in New York City to become a digital nomad and entrepreneur. We also talked about how you can optimize your taxes as a nomad, the benefits of second citizenships, and what the future of taxes look like as the location independent movement grows. And we also talked about when you should consider setting up a business abroad. But before we jump into the interview, make sure that you subscribe to my weekly newsletter, Remote Insider. Every Monday morning, I send out a brief but informative email with all the top news from the digital nomad world so you never get left out. From upcoming conferences in new digital nomad visas to technology breakthroughs and the newest development in remote work, this is the easiest way to become a remote insider. It's completely free and you can sign up at thatremotelife.com forward slash remote insider. Finally, I would love to hear what you think about this podcast. I've made it very easy to leave a review. All you have to do is just head over to ratethispodcast.com forward slash TRL and write your review. That's it. It's that easy. I read every review and I love to see what you guys think about this podcast and we'll also read your review here on the show. One final thing I want to mention before we jump into the interview. I would like to say thank you to everyone who left a review on Spotify. If you didn't know, Spotify recently launched their own internal podcast reviews native to the platform, and we already have 16 five-star reviews over there. So thank you so much to everyone who left a review on Spotify. If you haven't done so yet, head on over to Spotify and leave a five-star review. It would be a huge help in getting us more exposure on the platform since it's quickly growing and becoming an important platform for podcasting. But all right, you guys, that's it for me. Without further ado, let's jump into this awesome conversation with Vincenzo Villamina. All right, Vincenzo, welcome to the podcast, man. I'm uh, super stoked to finally have you here. Man, thank you for having me. You know, it's good to be here. Yeah, I'm uh, like we talked before we hit record. I'm actually a client of yours, and I've had uh, such a pleasant experience. And I saw that we were both in the DC, and I was like, "Well, I gotta have Vincenzo on and and talk about uh, the fun and excitement that taxes are." Uh, but before we jump into that, man, 
I want to find out a little bit more about, you know, like I said, we're going to talk about taxes and how to, you know, any tips that you have about that. But before that, how did you end up in this world? Because in my research, I found out you had a great corporate job. You know, you were working for like PricewaterhouseCooper. You were living the dream in New York. Uh, what happened? Like what made you go from this great corporate, you know, I'm assuming nice salary living in New York sounds like the dream. And then you decided to leave all that behind and, and do the digital nomad thing. So what, what, what changed there? You know what? Just life happens. You know, that's all it is. You know, I went to, I went, I went to Brazil for carnival. I went to Argentina where I had some friends living and you know what? Six months later, what was like a good corporate job. I worked at PwC and I was working at like a small private equity fund and you know, Things weren't really like going where I wanted to go job wise with the PE funds. And, you know, there was a little bit of the crisis, you know, happens like around 2010. And, and honestly, I was just like, man, I'm just going to take a break from life in, in New York and I'll just go down to South America, learn Spanish, you know, just sort of just see what happens. Right. And, and you know, you go into those situations thinking, oh, you know, this is like just my like whatever, eat, pray, love moment or, you know, where you're just going to hang out for a bit, learn Spanish. And what was only going to be a few months, I mean, ended up obviously turning into a full lifestyle just because when I was down there, honestly, I was having so much fun and just enjoying living in Buenos Aires and, you know, being in the expat scene and meeting locals that I really just decided I didn't want to go back. And, um, you know, long story short, I'm down there and obviously, you know, running, running on savings and, you know, people asking me about taxes, right. And I was, uh, you know, I, I had the tax uh, knowledge from uh, when I worked at PwC and, you know, it was around January. People were sort of asking me some questions. Argentinos were asking me questions about how to open up, you know, like companies in the States. And, um, you know, I had this eureka moment where I just built a website, did Google AdWords, and then voila, like people just started coming to me both you know, face-to-face -face living down there and, and being in the expat community and then also just online. And then from there, it just steamrolled into, you know, once I started getting clients online, it was just like, wow, you know, it was one of those things. And at the same time, I all, I did start reading like 4-Hour Workweek, you know, by Tim Ferriss, which I will never, I will always say it's never actually a 4-Hour Workweek, but, you know, the, 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 the story and the, the you know, the, the, the message behind it is, is, I think, spectacular. And so, you know, you sort of get inspired by, by you know, people like that. And uh, yeah, it just sort of steamrolled to where we are today. What's interesting about that book is I feel like that's everyone's goal, but everyone that I know who is in a position that can work four hours a week, right? Like their business is at that level. Right. They rarely actually do. Like when they get to that level, their business and their lifestyle is at a point where they're like, well, I don't want to just work four hours. Like I enjoy what I do. So let me like, yeah. you know, do what I want to do anyway. So it's funny that we we all kind of had that as our, as our goal and our dream and our inspiration. And then the, by yeah. the point that you get there, you're like, no, I don't want to do that. I want to, I want to do what I love and, you know, work with yeah. my clients and build my product and whatever. Um, I know that you mentioned, you know, when you got started, when you went down to Buenos Aires, it was around when, um, you know, there was a financial crisis. So like, I'm assuming 08, 09 ish kind of, how has the digital nomad scene changed since then? Because obviously that's when the four worker came out, that's kind of like when that initial rush was. So from your point of view, having been, having doing, 
having been done this for a long time, that's not grammatically yeah, correct, but no, whatever. <laughs> how has how have things changed? You know, it's funny because like, yeah, I mean, it's true, right? When the 4-Hour Workweek came out and, and you know, somebody says the other day that I was just like, you know, some people, you read it, but like many, very few people actually did it, at least back then, mm-hmm. you know, and even the expats in Buenos Aires, I wouldn't call them like digital nomads during that time, you know, because, you know, what I, around, I left in 2010, but, you know, when people start losing their jobs in 08, 09, and this is kind of a little bit inspired me, I read this this article, I think it was in Vogue or Vibe or whatever, but it was about lifestyle arbitrage. And it's sort of the same that 4-Hour mm-hmm. Workweek is about, which is, in this case, it was all the you know laid-off bankers who got their severance in 08, 09 that were just, you know, still loved popping bottles in New York City, but would go down to Buenos Aires and pop bottles rather than $200 a bottle, it was $20 a bottle, right? And so, you know, there was that intrigue of lifestyle arbitrage that even... You know, I thought of back then just to go down to Buenos Aires and live for a few months because I said, hey, you know what, I can live off some savings and I'll be, you know, I have a decent runway. And obviously, it, it really did actually give me ultimately a good runway to start my business because, of course, I kept my, you know, cost of living extremely low down there versus starting a business in a place like uh, New York. But, you know, when it comes to like the digital nomad scene, I really candidly never really uh, saw it or really never like popped into my mind until a few years later, maybe 2012 and 2013. And part of it was actually, you know, joining the DC back then, right? And somebody had told me, a client had told me about the DC and that's when it was like, okay, there are people like me. And then I, I also started going to Medellin, Colombia around, I think the first time around 2012, 2013. And you know, and, and, and kept on going back to Medellin and ended up moving there. And that's where I ultimately um, saw more digital nomads. You know, Buenos Aires never really got on the map from a digital nomad perspective, which I never understood why, because honestly, it's super cool city and super cheap. And I think maybe now it's a little bit more. But, you know, Medellin, as I'm sure you know, has ultimately become sort of like the digital nomad hub of South America, you know, along with obviously Mexico and, and Latin America, which is also kind of digital nomad focused. And, you know, now obviously, right, you have the DC, you have a lot of, a lot of sort of groups on Facebook everywhere that sort of focused on this, uh, this lifestyle, if you will. So I heard you describe yourself as a financial therapist. Can you tell me why you think of yourself that way? And like, what does that mean? That's a good one. <laughs> you did your research. Um, you know, I, I do describe myself as a financial therapist in the sense that a lot of people come with problems, right? You know, I mean, like, and, and really anxious and, 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 and distressed and distraught over, you know, maybe they haven't filed in a few years or, you know, they, right, just moved abroad or they're thinking about moving abroad. And, you know, the, the, the notion of taxes is so overwhelming to so many people, you know, especially people that maybe aren't in the realm of, uh, you know, of, of numbers, right? You know, creatives, or, or, or even if you, you know, are a numbers person, you know, they can be really, uh, you know, like I said, just overwhelming. And so, you know, I, I try to really come in and, and you know, obviously lend an ear and, 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 and give, can't even give people relief, right? Because there's really no problem that is not solvable or that I haven't encountered before. And, you know, most of the people on my team and we do a lot of, you know, collaboration from, a, you know, helping, helping each other with, with clients, with 
they don't know the answer on my team. But the point is, is like that, yeah, we sort of give people that relief because, um, again, people are really, really anxious. And, and, and it happens all the time where somebody, you know, says, oh, like, wow, like, you, you know, you just you approach somebody with such a calm nature because honestly, you know what you're talking about, which which we do. Um, and it, it really it really helps um, put people at ease when, you know, you approach them and, and you know the answers and every question or every, um, you know, problem that they have, you have a solution. And, you know, I came from a, a family of mental health professionals, right? So it's kind of funny that, you know, I'm doing it, but obviously in a very uh, different way. And uh, you mentioned your team. Just out of curiosity, how big is your team now? We're, we're 30 people. Wow. That's yeah. incredible. And everyone is distributed from all over. Do you have like a particular part of the world that you like to hire from? Um, you know, good question. We, it's distributed, um, but we do have a few spots. Um, we, we hire in the Balkans, actually, predominantly Serbia, um, for our incorporation side and bank account side. And then we also have a, 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 a decent team in Argentina um, and, and a few guys in India, too. And that's mainly because some of the outsourcing centers for the big four, particularly like Ernst & Young, and, and, you know, some other ones have outsourcing centers in those countries. So I know that you know, Andrew Henderson, that you've worked with him from Nomad Capitals yeah. before. I know he hires a lot of people from Serbia. So is there like some school that's just churning out tax professionals in Serbia or what is, what is yeah. the, is, there, is that just a coincidence? No, that's actually, you know what, honestly, honestly, that's just a random coincidence. I mean, <laughs> I, I hired my, I hired my first employee in Serbia because I met, I met his best friend at Exit Music Festival. All right. So that is, if this is, if this is any, any, any indication of my hiring practices. But honestly, sometimes like the stars align and, 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 you know, candidly, really, we ended up having so much success with people out of the Balkans that we kept on hiring people because, and, and this is, I think, very true for a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, remote firms. I mean, there's a lot of development people and, and all our marketing people out of the Balkans, obviously, because the, the price point is, is, um, is, is, is cheap. And, and um, yeah, I mean, same thing in Argentina, for that matter, we just sort of had such a good streak of hiring out there that we kept on doing it. But um, yeah, Andrew also just kind of randomly found the secret and, you know, now he, he hires a lot from there and a lot from a few other places out, out in Eastern Europe. So I really resonate what you said about people coming in with like baggage when they come to work with you or they're stressed or there's, you know, they're unsure of what's going on because I feel that a lot myself when I'm filing taxes. Like I feel like there's, so many nuances and so much to know that it can be very stressful. It can be very scary. You can feel like you have no idea what you're really doing. And the even more terrifying part of that is I feel like I know most than the average person, yet I yeah. still feel like I have no idea what's happening, right? So, so that's pretty scary. And I think that that's because we have, at least in the United States, I don't know about other parts of the world, but I feel like we have like no understanding of taxes. We're never really taught about it, right? We like leave school and we go to college and all of a sudden we graduate and we have to like deal with taxes. Yeah. Do you have any sort of resources that you point people to or do you recommend the quote unquote average Joe, right? Somebody who's a digital nomad, somebody who's location independent, maybe running their own business, perhaps a, a freelancer. Like where can they go to learn the basics of taxes or finances or just so that 
this yeah. topic doesn't seem so scary. I'll uh, I give two. I give two. One's a little bit of a shameless plug, but one is um, Wealth Ability, which is by Tom Real White, which is actually Robert Kiyosaki's accountant, and that and that kind of goes into like high level some tax planning strategies. I'll summarize it. He kind of he you know high long story short high level. He says that. Um, you know, a lot of these tax incentives or tax systems, whether it's the U.S. or other countries, are really used to incentivize certain directions that they want the country to go in. So they, they're used to incentivize basically investors and entrepreneurs. So, you know, that's why starting your own business, being able to deduct expenses, et cetera, is incentivized with the U.S. tax system with like Schedule C. And same thing for actually real estate investing. Um, you know, you get deductions. You know, you could even turn, you know, there's things like bonus depreciation, which allows you to like deduct furnitures and fixtures in, in year one. Um, and that one hot tax tip, if you will, is to, you know, buy a piece of real estate, rent it on Airbnb for the first year and, you know, get that bonus depreciation in year one as a business. So on Schedule C and it would be deducted against your ordinary income. But like the high level, Will Wright's book talks about, again, how the incentives are geared towards real estate investors and, and, and entrepreneurs. Uh, book two, which is a shameless plug, is I wrote a book on um, on taxes for Americans abroad. And, you know, I actually do genuinely, genuinely think it is a very good book that actually really, you know, gets not like really in the details, but gets sort of like a high level, you know, about ex- particularly those that are looking to move abroad and, you know, their tax situation. Um, you know, from a from a standpoint of right, like the foreign and income exclusion, it's sort of some of the tax advantages for U.S. expats, um, as well as sort of just some of the um, things you need to be aware of. Um, and so that is actually really, I mean, and I, I say that because I actually read a lot of other people's books beforehand and tried to identify the gaps. I mean, Andrew Henderson has a good book. I think it's good. I think it's very high level. I think mine actually has a little more details, which I think are good. And you know, there's a few other out there. So. Um, yeah. And what's your book? What, what's the title of your book? It's called taxes for Americans abroad. Nice. Just get that SEO hardcore in the title. Love it. Yeah. 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 Andrew's I've read Andrew's book and I, and I like it, but it is quite high level. Like it's one of these things where you read it and you're like, great. I'm going to set this aside for five years from now when I have a seven figure income or whatever, and then I can deal with it. Let's chat a little bit about actual you know it's tax season right now it's you know april 15th is approaching obviously this episode is going to come out after that but i want to talk a little bit about what can people do to you know as digital nomads as expats to uh optimize their taxes i know that that's the the word word. to use in 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 the profession not avoid right um and i and i want to split this in two categories right people who are maybe earning under a hundred thousand dollars and then people who are earning over a hundred thousand dollars so for people who are earning under a hundred thousand dollars let's say they're making 50 60 grand um what kind of things are there for them to do to optimize their taxes is it even a level in which they shouldn't worry about it yet like what would you recommend to those people um listen i think there's all you know there's obviously many ways to optimize i think it depends first off on are you an employer do you have your own business right it's sort of like as i was alluded to before you know the tax incentives are not really there for people that employees however if you are 
a remote worker and you are allowed um, or you choose to, let's say, work outside the United States. And sometimes, candidly, people's employers don't let them, but it's like a don't ask, don't tell type of policy. But if you set up your residency abroad and you're an employee or if you're an independent contractor of your own business, you know, you are allowed to earn up to the first one hundred eight thousand dollars um, free of U.S. income tax. And you do so in one of two ways. One, by being physically present outside the United States for 330 days in a 365 day period. Right. So which means basically you're only allowed 35 days in the United States in a calendar year. Um, this is for people that are like a little more nomadic. They, they but, you know, they, they're hopping around every few months, et cetera. Um, and yeah, again, it's just a really kind of dry 35 days in the United States. You could sort of do like half and half. So let's say you go July 1st of 2021 and you fast forward to July 1st of 2022. And in that 365 day period, you're only in the U S for 35 days. Then, you know, you could sort of split like half of, 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 of 2021 and half of 2022 is tax free, right? Up to that, again, that $108,000 fine. The other way, um, is called the bona fide residency, right? That is a little more of a, not as sort of, you know, bright line, meaning that you are setting up your residency in another country. So like, you know, you've been in Mexico, so you get a Mexican visa, you get sort of a long-term lease there, you get a bank account, you get maybe local health care, a driver's license, et cetera. And you have sort of a, 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 you know, a few documents, you know, call like four or five ties to Mexico and, you came to foreign and income exclusion. You know, uh, what that does by being a bona fide resident is it allows you to go back to the United States for more than 35 days. It doesn't mean a lot more. It means that you really do have to live abroad for the majority of the year, but rather than 35 day threshold, let's say you could go back for, you know, 60 or 90 days or something like that. I wouldn't really push more than that. But, you know, again, cause you have closer connection, closer ties to Mexico. And so again, in both scenarios, um, whether you're a W-2 employee or you have your own business, you will qualify for the foreign and income exclusion. Um, and that's obviously part of being an expat and part of what we do. To take it like a step further for entrepreneurs, um, you know, when you make that, you know, 40, 50K net income threshold, um, then and you're, you know, independent contract or whatever, you're getting these 1099 NECs. Um, you might want to consider switching to an S-Corp. Let's say you have an LLC, right? And yeah, you're making 40,000 or 50,000. You might want to switch to an S-Corp. What does that mean? That means you take the LLC and you make a special election with the IRS that makes it an S-Corp. And what does that do savings wise? So let's just take the $50,000 mark. Um, you know, if you're just a straight LLC and you make 50K net, you would pay 15% of self-employment tax, um, which means that roughly that's seven and a half thousand dollars that you're paying to like social security. Okay. If you do the S corp um, and you, you know, take part of that money as like a salary, part of that money is a distribution. Um, let's say you take like a $30,000 salary and 20,000 distribution, that salary is taxed at 15%, but that distribution at 20 K isn't. So in that example, um, 15 to 20 K is, uh, like roughly $3,000 a state. So mm. that's an S corp. I'm, I'm, I don't, I don't know if you follow out there, but it, yeah, yeah. It, you know, good. If you're, if you're hitting those numbers, just Google S corp. I mean, there's 
there's some, you know, we have some blog articles and blog articles out there and that's something that someone should consider. And over a hundred thousand dollars, is that where you would essentially start to advise people to actually look at setting up offshore, um, businesses and sort of like these plans. And if that is the case, what are the places that you, from your point of view at the moment, you recommend people look at, right? Because there were really popular ones in the, in the past, like Hong Kong, for example, which from what I've heard from, um, friends and and contacts, it's becoming more difficult, right? So what are maybe some of the places where people can look at in, in incorporating if that is the tip that you would advise them? Sure. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's, you know, you're, you're on the right track there. I mean, if, if you are, you know, making over a hundred thousand and you could be making less, I mean, but yeah, it, uh, the, the tax saving starts to get incremental, you know, once you get into six figures and above. But I think the point is, is that, um, and this is very high level, um, you know, cause obviously everyone's situation is different, but um, from a high level perspective, you, you know, you have a business and you're living abroad Okay. And you continue, you know, you, your plan is to live abroad. Um, and so you're managing a company, a, a non-U.S. company from outside the United States. Um, and as long as you're, it can't really be like a one-man business. Okay. It can't be something where like I make a hundred thousand and then I pay myself $95,000 uh, salary and I have no expenses. You know, it does have to have this legitimacy of a business meeting. You know, you have to have like, some employees that are outside the United States or contractors and, and, you know, again, have some, some sort of, uh, you know, concreteness to, to the business and, and, you know, having, let's say, you know, 20 K versus worth of expenses and, and, or 20%, sorry. Um, but again, if that's the case, then you can you know, create an offshore structure where you are um, essentially you know, paying yourself this $100,000 salary um, that would not be subject to, uh, you know, some social security and self-employment tax um, because it's from a foreign company and you're qualified for the foreign income exclusion. And then um, the C- you would put a C-Corp on top of a non-U.S. company and you run all your operations through the U.S. company. I'm sorry, through the non-U.S. company, right? And then whatever, you know, net income would be subject to 10 and a half percent. The, you know, the jurisdictions would vary. Um, You know, British Virgin Islands is one. A lot of the British overseas territories are good ones like Cayman, BVI, Bahamas. Um, You know, Hong Kong is is a good one as well. Uh, But, you know, to your point, it's very difficult to get a bank account there. And it's very, uh, it's very yeah, I mean, you have a Hong Kong, you have these audits in Hong Kong, et cetera. There's definitely more paperwork with Hong Kong. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, there, there's, a, there's a handful of others, but the point is, I think, you know, this could certainly be done. Um, the banking, the bank account situation could be a little bit tedious to get a, a bank account for some of these entities. But the point is, is, you know, for those that do qualify that, again, are managing everything from outside the United States, that have no U.S. employees or effectively connected income, um, you know, this can be a good strategy for, um, you know, U.S. entrepreneurs. And then these are some of the strategies that, you know, the Googles and the Apples of the world use to, uh, you know, optimize their situations. And, and it could be applied to, um, to a, a global entrepreneur as well. What do you think the future of 
taxes? This is a very broad question, but I'd love just like your Master. your opinion and your thoughts. You know, this is something where, you know, with remote work, uh, we're now seeing a lot of people traveling abroad. More and more people are looking into exactly what we've been talking about, right? Like incorporating businesses outside of the U.S. because now they're hiring from all over. They realize that they don't need to have a house and live in the U.S. They can go somewhere else. So as more and more people spread out of the U.S. or out of their home country, I expect nations are going to start to, you know, try to do something uh, as they start to like bleed taxes. What do you think is the future of taxation over the next 10, 20 years based on the growth of remote work and location dependence? Great question. Um, I think that, you know, there, there's going, there, there is, they're working towards and they will implement, you know, sort of this global minimum tax on, you know, digital products and digital businesses. I mean, right now, um, with the OECD, which is sort of like a national or sort of say international uh, organization that sort of kind of manages like treaties and agreements with taxation. It's, it's a little bit powerless, but it is sort of like a think tank or like a step towards that direction that, that, that they, you know, they sort of spearhead. And anyway, so there's certain discussions essentially at this point about like a global minimum tax of roughly 15%. Right. And this would apply to things like these offshore setup that I had, uh, you know, discussed, which is really applicable to Americans. But uh, a lot of, you know, digital nomads from other countries, um, you know, they may pay zero percent tax. And so, again, you know, there is this sort of push towards, you know, every remote business to have some sort of minimum tax. And like I said, the number being discussed right now is 15 percent. You know, it, it, it will first apply to really very, you know, large multinational businesses like these Googles and Apples of the world um, and, and, and sort of apply to them. But, you know, again, when you're looking 10, 15, 20 years down the road, you know, once they sort of implement it on the big boys, you know, I think it will filter down to everybody. And so you certainly have that uh, being a factor. The other side of just remote work in general, and we field a lot of questions on this, is like this notion of, uh, permanent establishment. What does that mean? So I work for, you know, a, a company like Apple and I want to, you know, my department said that we're fully remote. And so then I decide, hey, I want to uh, live in Brazil. And so the problem with a big company, even smaller companies too, they said, well, you want to live in Brazil, but you're on U.S. payroll. And so now we all of a sudden have like a permanent establishment in Brazil and I mean, obviously, Apple would have an office in Brazil, but like maybe a smaller you know, company, they don't have an office in Brazil that you could go on local payroll. And so then there's this whole notion of like, well, we can't have you working in Brazil because then that's going to give you uh, we're going to give our, us as a company, you know, this permanent establishment or basically, you know, being brought drawn into the tax trap of Brazil or whatever particular country that you're in. So, you know, just looking at like remote employees. That is um, something that, you know, we're sort of, in, you know, seeing people having these sort of discussions with their employer, et cetera, about that. Now, one workaround that people try to present their employers, well, okay, then I don't want to be an employee anymore. I want to be a contractor. want to be a contractor, right. You know, and, and that's an argument that, you know, is valid, but is definitely dependent on your type of role and, and your responsibilities, your, your basically the daily oversight that the employer or the, uh, the contract tour would have. 
um, et cetera. But, you know, again, as we go towards remote work, that whole question of employee versus contractor permanent establishment has definitely uh, come up a lot. Yeah, I certainly see this move towards contractors a lot more. Uh, it, yeah. This is one of the reasons, right? Is companies are like, okay, great. You want to, you want to work abroad. We just don't want to deal with the headache, but also uh, I do see, and this is something that we've discussed on this podcast a lot as well. And I just kind of keep saying it over and over and over again, because I do think it's really important is that I think with companies becoming more comfortable with remote work, they're also going to become a lot more comfortable with outsourcing. And so I think that these high paid jobs that so many Westerners are used to are going to become far more project based, right? Because, Hey, if we can just outsource the work to somebody abroad who wants less money and then bring in an expert for like a three month project, pay them a lump sum of cash, then they move on to the next project. That is a much better setup for, for everyone, right? Uh, in the, yeah. in the perfect world. So, uh, I do, you know, I do think this is going to be very interesting over the next five years. Uh, in terms of like how companies try to manage this and how contractors and individuals are going to try to manage it. So, uh, you know, this is definitely all very much like on the forefront of, of this movement. But Vincenzo, I want to say thank you so much uh, for coming on the podcast. We had to keep it a little bit short today because we have some time restrictions. Uh, I really, really hope to have you back on some other time so we can kind of dive in more on the lifestyle stuff. And you live in Brazil. I'd love to find out more about why you chose Brazil. But um, let people know where can they find out more about you, about online tax man, what sort of people make good clients for you guys, uh, and where can they go and, and get access to those services and find out more? Yeah, sure. So, um, you go to online taxman.com, right? And that is our primary website for people that, um, need tax preparation, right? And, and so our ideal type of client would be, um, you know, either somebody who's living abroad, an American or U.S. citizen that's living abroad or, or moving abroad. And we do have U.S. domestic clients, too. Um, and sometimes it's even better to sort of engage us even while you're still in the States and thinking about moving abroad. Because part of our service offering is helping people with the, the, the planning and, and, and what up, whatnot um, sort of, you know, be pre-move. Um, and on the other side, also people that are living in the U.S. that have foreign assets um, and on the other side of that, it's foreigners that uh, want to move to the United States, uh, maybe even set up a U.S. LLC, so like a non-U.S. digital nomad that um, you know has U.S. clients and, and can essentially set up an LLC and be uh, tax-free, right? Because I think that's the other side of this, uh, you know, whole you know digital nomad circle is that you know the United States is the biggest tax haven for non-Americans, right? And so you have a lot of non-American digital nomads that set up U.S. Uh, companies and U.S. bank accounts because honestly, it's the easiest um, to set up a U.S. bank account and, and a U.S. company than any other country in the world. Um, and then if you don't have any U.S. employees or offices or warehouses, you are, are tax-free as a non-American. So that's the other side of what we do is, is is helping, uh, yeah, non-U.S. people with sort of their U.S. tax issues. Um, so onlinetaxman.com. Uh, the other website actually we have is called Global Expat Advisors. Uh, that is sort of our high-level website when it comes to some of the um, more uh, you know, high-touch projects like, you know, this, this offshore structuring that we do, setting up self-directed IRAs that allow people to invest in like real estate and, and VC and private equity with their IRAs. And just other, you know, very high level tax planning. So 
you could catch us on either one of those websites. And um, yeah, and I'm obviously happy to, uh, to help anybody in, in, out there. And uh, the book that you mentioned uh, that you wrote, is that like something that people can pick up on Amazon or yeah. it, do you have it on the website? No, go to Amazon and just Taxes for Americans Abroad. Um, and, you you know, you can download it on your Kindle. You could order it on print. And, um, yeah, and it, it's sort of, I mean, I think it's a great book. So we, we update it every year too. So it's, it's, it's all updated information. Perfect. We'll have links to all of that in the in the show notes. But Vincenzo, again, thank you so much uh, for coming on. I, I really, really appreciate it. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. Thank you for the good questions.